Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. This morning, Revelation chapter number three. Uh, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. And uh, I want to read just one verse to you, and then I'm going to back up and uh, talk a little bit about the context of it. And um, then we'll jump into the verse and see what the Lord can help us with. And I just want to use really a practical application out of it. I'm going to give you the context of the verse, and especially tonight, I'll really deal with the context uh, of this church of Leon to see you tonight, but I want to give one verse this morning and give just a, a, a thought out of it um, with the help of the Lord, a practical thought. The Bible said this in verse number 20 of Revelation chapter number 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, I like that word any right there, if any man hear my voice uh, and open the door, I will come in unto, or into him uh, and will sup with him, uh, and he uh, with me. Father, I love you this morning, and I thank you, God, for your blessings. Uh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for being good to us. Father, Lord, thank you, God, for a good crowd this cold Sunday morning, God. Thank you, Lord, for our youth workers this morning that's in youth church, God. And I pray that, Lord, that you would help them and meet their needs out there this morning, God. Thank you, Lord, for our nursery workers. And I pray, God, that you would help them this morning, God, and give them a blessing, Father, for their labor. God, I pray that if they'd be anybody in this service this morning uh, that don't know you as their Savior, I pray, God, that today... Uh would be the day of salvation for them. God, I pray, uh, Lord, that they'd swallow their pride. God, whatever it is, uh, that God would hinder them from being saved. God, I pray, Lord, that they would jump that today and that today would be the day uh, that they make you their Savior, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us liberty as we preach. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd bind the demons of hell. Uh, God, I pray, Lord, Father, that you'd just help us today. In Jesus' name, uh, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, I want to look into this verse for just a little while today uh, and preach on the Savior that is calling out to us. Now, um, you that knows your Bible knows when we come to chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, we see the seven churches uh, of Revelation. This is the seventh church uh, and it picks up in verse number 14 and closes the chapter out uh, with the church of Laodicea. Now, um, I find it very interesting. I'm going to preach more about that church tonight. Uh, I really want you to come back. I'm going to mention a few things uh, by way of introduction and then uh, give you the thought this morning. But the church of Laodicea was a church uh, uh, that had some major issues in it. Amen. Matter of fact, it's very interesting in verse number 14. Uh, the Bible said, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. You'll find out that in all of the other six churches, it is not stated that way. It says the church of the Laodiceans. You see, they had a problem of pride at Laodicea and 
the church of Laodicea. You find out in studying they really was a very prideful people at Laodicea. Whenever you began to study that city out and what was going on in the city of Laodicea. Matter of fact, they was famous for three things in Laodicea. Number one, they was famous for being the center of finance. The center of finance. Laodicea was the center of banking and finance. The city renowned was renowned throughout the Roman Empire for its wealth and financial power. Matter of fact, whenever you study history out, in AD 61, there was an earthquake that destroyed that city and they took no money from the Roman Empire but took just their money and built their city back. I'm reminded of this. The Bible says that money is the root of all evil. And you know what money causes a lot of people to be prideful today? Money will not send you to hell. Rejecting Jesus will send you to hell. But it was famous as the center of finance. They was also famous at Laodicea for being the center of fashion in that day. I began to study this out and I couldn't help but to think about my girls whenever I got to studying this out. But it was the center for fashion in that day. Matter of fact, the new trends would come out of Laodicea in that day. Number three, they was famous also for medicine. There was a college there and they was very well known for their pharmaceutical things in Laodicea. And that church of Laodicea had came to a place where they thought they could do it really without God. And God said this, you're lukewarm and it makes me want to regurgitate because you're lukewarm. That is the context of what's going on from chapter 3 verse 14 through 22. We jump into verse number 20. In the midst of this and the context of it is this, he is talking to the church and he's saying to the church, I stand on the outside knocking, uh, wanting to come into your church. Uh, it's sad to say today, and I'll preach this tonight, please come back, uh, uh, but it's sad to say today that so many churches uh, does not have the Lord uh, on the inside. Yes, they may meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Yes, they may have a crowd. Yes, they may build uh, an emotion within you, but the true presence uh, of the Holy Spirit of God uh, is not nowhere around it. And Jesus is saying to the church of Laodicea, I'm on the outside and I want to come in and I want to sup with you and you with me. I want to commune with you. I want to have fellowship with you. That is the context of this. However, I think there is a very practical application that can be made out of verse number 20 also in salvation. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door... I'll say more about that in just a second, but God has always put it back in our court on what we do. He says, Then if you'll open the door, I'll come in. Let me show you two or three things about the Savior, this, this man. Amen. Matter of fact, I could have titled the message, This Man, I guess. 
But can I show you two or three things about this man this morning? Number one, I would say this. Our Savior this morning, and looking at him in this verse, I see a Savior, number one, that is a patient Savior. I see a patient Savior. You say, preacher, how do you get that? Well, what does he say? He says, behold, I stand at the door. He didn't say, I'm walking away. Amen. He said, I'm standing at the door. I stand. You know what he's saying to us? I'm being patient to you. I know your condition. Matter of fact, whenever you read the verses prior to this, you'll know that God knew the condition of the church of Laodicea. Hey, God could have walked away from them. God could have washed his hands of them. But what does God do? God patiently waits outside the door, uh, knocking on their door, uh, uh, wanting to come into them. Uh, Hear me and hear me well. We serve a God uh, that is a patient God today. I I was walking up the hill to church this morning uh, and I thought about this the very first time uh, uh, that God spoke to my heart. uh, I didn't get saved, but you know what God did? Uh, uh, God came back again uh, and again and again. Why? Because he's a patient God. He's a patient God this morning. I thought about, boy, we could, uh, time wouldn't permit us, but we could walk throughout the Bible. I thought about Adam and Eve this morning. You know, God was patient with Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Uh, Whenever they sinned, God didn't even have to come back and talk to them again. Can I say that? God did not have to come back and talk to them again. God chose to come back and talk to them again. God didn't have to come back and talk to them. Matter of fact, whenever God did get in the garden, he said, Adam, where art thou? He made a search for him that day. He said, where art thou? And you know what? When Adam stepped out and he had made his own self-righteousness, He had took some fig leaves and sewed them together. He thought what he could do would fix everything. Hear me this morning. What you can do will never fix anything. You know what God could have done whenever he saw that? God could have wrote him off. God could have thumped him off into hell. God could have been done with him. But you know what? God was patient with Adam and God made a coat of skin and clothed Adam and Eve. And you know what God did after that? He walked about in the cool of the day with them and continued to fellowship. We serve a God that's patient this morning. I thought about this. I thought about Noah. You say, well, how was God patient with Noah? Well, Noah built an ark. Amen. Noah built an ark to save a nation and save his family. Are you with me? Jochebed built an ark to save her family and save the nation. <laughs> what about that now? You, if you don't know the Bible, you don't understand what I just said. But if you do know the Bible, you understand what I just said. Jochebed built an ark just to save Moses. Oh, but she ended up saving the nation of hallelujah this morning. Oh, yeah, but Noah, you know what Noah done? Noah built an ark. Noah saved his family, and then Noah went and got drunk. After that building program, <laughs> he went and got drunk. And you know what God could have done? God could have wiped Noah off the face of the earth. But you know what God done? God was patient with Noah. I thought about, you remember that Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah, don't you? Prayed the fire of God down out of heaven. 
Amen. That day he prayed on Mount Carmel, prayed the fire of God down and the power of God down. And then what did he do? He ended up getting discouraged, ended up getting suicidal and run out and said he was the only one that ever tried to serve God. What was God? God was patient. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He was patient. I thought about David, man, the life of David, God's patience in the life of David. I thought about this. What about a man by the name of Jonah? What about old Jonah? The life of Jonah and what God done in the life of Jonah. Man, when Jonah was cast overboard and went into that fish's belly, God could have said, that's it, I'm done. But you know what? Three days later, God allowed Jonah to be regurgitated, vomited, puked up out of that fish's belly on dry ground. And Jonah went running into the city and preaching and probably the greatest revival in the history of the world broke out out of a man that was rebellious and run from the call of God. But God was patient. I thought about Peter this morning. I thought about Peter. You remember the story of Peter, don't you? Man, Peter was uh, uh, Peter was a man that loved God, and Peter was a man that thought a lot of God, and Peter was a man that walked with the Lord, and and Peter, James, and John was on the mountain of transfiguration, and what God done uh, that day on the mountain of transfiguration, and how. Peter was able to see that all. And he said, Lord, I'll go with you all the way to the death. Uh, And you know what ends up happening? Peter denies he knows God. uh, Ends up cursing that night. Uh, Oh, but a few days later, just a little over a month later, who stands that day on the day of Pentecost uh, and rears back in the power of the Holy Spirit of God uh, and preaches in 3,000 saved. Uh, He was a man by the name of Peter. What I'm trying to get you to see today is we serve a God that is patient today. Amen. Amen. If you got what you deserved first time, well, let me just back. God never, God never owed us one time to speak to our heart. But after he spoke to us the first time, he could have said that was it, but he was patient with us. He said, behold, I stand at the Lord. And I want to say something about his patience. And I'm going to move. His patience will come to an end. Thank God for his patience, but it will come to an end. Matter of fact, we can go back to Genesis where he says, my spirit shall not always strive with men. I'm going to tell you something. There'll come a day that God will keep speaking to your heart. If you're sitting here and you're lost this morning and you're not saved and God's standing outside your heart's door knocking, uh, wanting to come into you, there'll come a day that God will be done with you. I don't know why I see he's a patient Savior, but number two, this man... He's not only a patient Savior, but this man, he's a pursuing Savior. He's a pursuing Savior. What did he say? He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's one thing to stand outside of somebody's door. It's quite another thing to knock on it. Are you with me? It's quite another thing to knock on it. Jesus just didn't say, I'm standing outside the door. He said, I'm also knocking outside the door. In other words, he's wanting to talk to somebody on the inside. Yeah, man, he is a pursuing Savior. I read this this week as sinners. We are unclean 
uncared for, unclothed, unclaimed. And our situation was uncontrollable in our own flesh. But there was a day a Savior came to where we was at and knocked on our heart's door. A Savior came. I thought about this. He knocks as a redeemer that he might save us. He knocks as a great physician that he might heal us. He knocks as a teacher that he might instruct us. He knocks as a king of kings that he might rule us. He knocks as a bridegroom that he might woo us to himself. He is not only a patient savior, he is a pursuing savior. I love the story of Ezekiel chapter number 16. Now I know in the context it's dealing with the nation of Israel. But boy, again, there's a practical application that can be made out of it. In Ezekiel chapter number 16, if you don't know what I'm talking about, in Ezekiel chapter number 16, there is a baby that is left in the middle of a field all by itself. It's left there. No one's around it. Uh, and, and just, I'm not quoting none of this verbatimly. I'm just telling you uh, the, the uh, roundabout of what's happening. Someone comes up and sees the baby and decides to love the baby. That baby, the Bible said, was polluted in its own blood. There was nobody that cared for it, nobody that swaddled it, nobody that took care of it. It was just laying there in a polluted condition and it was laying in a state where Brother Joshua was going to die that day if somebody didn't come to where it was at. If somebody didn't find that baby, that baby couldn't get up and go to nobody else. That baby didn't know how to walk. That baby didn't know how to talk. It was still polluted in its own blood. In other words, it was a newborn, uh, just a few hours old. It didn't know how to do anything uh, but to cling uh, to someone else uh, and to depend on someone else. Uh, and there was somebody found that baby uh, and made a covenant with that baby uh, and washed that baby. Matter of fact, the Bible said to us, uh, when thou was polluted in thine own blood, uh, I said unto thee, live. Yea, I said unto thee, live. That's where you was at and I was at. We was polluted in the blood of our fathers. We was conceived in sin. We was headed to a place called hell. But aren't you glad that there was a day that this man came to where you was at in your lost condition and found you and loved you and said unto you, live. Yea, when you was polluted in your own blood. He said, live. Somebody pursued us. I've said this before. When I went to church the night I got saved, I didn't go to church because I wanted to. I went to church because I knew my mom and daddy would kill me if I didn't go to church. Amen. I knew they'd be looking to see if old John was at church that night. But boy, that night, Brother Tim, somebody besides mom and daddy came looking for me. Oh, yeah. Somebody besides my buddies came looking for me. Somebody besides the preacher came looking for me. Let me tell you who come looking for me that night. Uh, he said, behold, I stand uh, at the door and knock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see this man's pursuing. I thought about this. Uh, the great songwriter, John Starn, said it this way. The gulf that separated me from Christ, my Lord, it was so vast the crossing I could never afford. From where I was to his domain, 
it seems so far away. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. He came to me when I was born in chains of sin. He came to me when I possessed no hope within. He picked me up and he drew me gently to his side where today in his sweet love I now abide. He said in the chorus, he came to me, oh, he came to me when I could not go to where he was. He came to me, that's why he died on Calvary when I could not come to where he was. Thank God he came to me the pursuing of the Savior this morning. The pursuing of the Savior. I want you to just for a second in your mind and then I'm going to give you another point and we'll be done. But just for a second in your mind, I want you to go back to the day you got saved. If you can't go back to that day, today can be that day that you can go back to. Amen. But you that saved, I want you just for a minute, I want you to go back, I want you to take just a second and go back in your mind at that day you got saved. Boy, that's a day I'll never forget. That's a day I'll never forget. I can take you and show you where I was sitting at that night at Turns Creek Baptist Church. I can take you into the prayer room and show you where I knelt in the prayer room. Now, you may not remember all of those, but I do, I do. I, I, matter of fact, I can, I, I think now in my mind to some of y'all sitting here, and the day that you got saved, the day that you say you got saved, and I believe you got saved that day. But I remember, I remember the day that Brother Rodney come sliding in at the house and got saved on the carport. I remember this Tanya getting saved in the living room. I remember some of you sitting there. I remember Brother Jerry getting saved right, right up here. I want you to go back to that day. Let me tell you the reason that day even exists is because of God that was patient. A God that was patient came to... Oh, yes, he came to where you was at. I think of Miss Vicky sitting back there. Y'all have heard my testimony enough. I think of Miss Vicky sitting back there. She was working with the young people at our church, had come faithful, had worked with the young people for years, but I'll never forget in 2016, right before that revival broke up, Brother Jeremy preached on and the fool walked on. And I'll never forget, there was a bunch of young people on the altar and Miss Leslie was praying with some and then Miss Leslie motioned for me and I walked over there and it was Miss Vicky and I thought well what are they are they into it about something are they fussing and they got things right with each other Miss Vicky looked up at me and she said preacher I'm going to die and go to hell if I don't get saved boy I'll never forget that day at Northwood Baptist Church when Miss Vicky cried out to God and God changed her life and saved her you let me tell you the reason that happened it's because there was a God that was patient continued to pursue her amen he's a pursuing Save. you know what he's doing to you if you're sitting here lost this morning he's pursuing you let me tell you the reason you come back to church today there's nothing in your flesh if you was lost or if you was saved told you to come to church especially if you was lost let me tell you the reason you come back to church this morning show the preacher I just woke up and thought I would no Really deep down inside, if we could really see off deep down in your soul, there's somebody in there going, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's pursuing you this morning. He wants you this morning. He wants to change your life this morning. He wants to make you a new creature in Him. Ah, this man, I see, I see this this morning. I see a patient Savior, a pursuing Savior. Then I'll show you this. I see a pleading Savior.
He says, if any man open the door, if any man, he's pleading with you today to open the door. Have you ever went and knocked on somebody's door and you knew they was there, but they didn't come? I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget one time. Uh, I, I, we knocked on a door at Christmas, delivering Christmas gifts. And I always take this several years ago, but I've always took the, one of our trailers from the sheriff's office whenever we deliver Christmas presents. And um, I, I pulled up at this house and walked up to the door and knocked on it. And I heard the kids go, Oh, no, it's the sheriff's office. I, I stood there a minute and there was foot tracks going everywhere and I don't know what they was doing and never asked. Finally, I knocked on the door again and I said, hey, it's not the sheriff's office. It's mercy and truth and we got a bunch of gifts and some food for the kids. Whoop. <laughs> Once they realized what we had, they was quick to open the door. If you'd ever just realize, if you'd ever just realize what he's got, You'd be so fast to open this door. But preacher, what's everybody going to say about me? You want me to tell you what everybody's going to say about you? I sure do love you. I'm here for you. If you ever need anything, you let me know. Preacher, what are they going to say about this? And what are they going to say? It doesn't matter, man. He's pleading with you today. I want to come in. I want to talk to you. The pleading Savior this morning. Can you hear him? It's he screams out or rings out or moans out from Calvary. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When you study the language there and the verb tenses and everything there, it's a continual action. Jesus continually said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know what Jesus is saying to God for you right now? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's pleading with you. But can I show you one last thing? This man, this man's a patient Savior. He's a pursuing Savior. He's a pleading Savior. But can I say this to you in closing? He's a promising Savior. He's a promising Savior. What did he say? He said, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. He said, if you'll just open the door, I'll come in. That's a promise from God. God which cannot lie. He said, if you'll just open the door, he said, I'll come in. I, I'll come in. I'll come in. Have you ever been, do you care to come start playing stuff? You ever been hesitant to open the door to somebody? But then you realized who it was and you opened the door and they ended up coming in and sitting down and man, two or three hours go by. You end up looking at your watch and going, oh man, I didn't mean to stay this long. And they said, well, I didn't mean to keep you this long. And what happened? You just got caught up in the fellowship. See, you're hesitant to open a door, but if you just open it, there's a promise from him this morning. I'm going to come in. I'm going to sit down and we're going to have a talk together. We're going to fellowship. We're going to love on each other. There's a promise from God this morning. You said, preacher, what about this? And what about that? Well, let's don't get caught up in the what about. Let's get caught up in the facts. Let's forget the whatabouts for a minute. Let's talk about facts. Here's a fact. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
That's a fact. That's not a what about. That's a fact. What about I've done? If any man opened the door. If any man opened the door, I will come in. That's a fact. Well, preacher, you know the Bible says no man can come to the Father except the Spirit which I've sent draw him unto God. You're right, and that's a fact. In other words, you don't get saved just any time you want to. You get saved when the Spirit of God's calling you to do that. Here's some Barkerology. The other Barker may not agree with it, and if you don't, I'm sure he'll tell me after service. Here's some Barkerology on that. A man in his flesh does not seek salvation. The only way you're going to seek salvation is if the Spirit of God is drawing you to it. The Spirit of God. In your flesh, you don't want God. In your flesh, you don't want the things of God. But when the Spirit of God pursues you and begins knocking, then say He's going to kick the door down. He'll never kick the door down. He'll wait on you to open the door. And He patiently waits outside. The fact is this, yes, the Spirit of God has to draw you. But if you're wanting to be saved, I believe the fact is this, the Spirit of God is drawing you. The flesh don't want to be saved. The flesh don't want nothing to do with God. Oh, but the Spirit of God will woo you and draw you to Him. And He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, I will come in and will sup with him and he with me. I, I, my dad's here this morning and besides my wife, he's probably my best friend. And I, I enjoy talking to dad when he's not had too much caffeine. Y'all think I'm hyper. I'm telling you, y'all just don't have a clue, do they, mom? He is... If he hadn't took his riddling, you know it when he comes to church. We was going to church the other night. I about died laughing at this. I, I don't need to tell this, but I'm going to tell this because I already started and you're wondering what it is, ain't you? He took the dog out. Mom had just had any surgery. He took the dog out and, and, and their dog's pitiful. Y'all need to pray for their dog. It's got Alzheimer's and it's blind and it can't see and, Y'all need to pray for old Belle. He took her out and she escaped. And I thought, no, we're going to be late going to church. And he's come on. He come back in. His shirt tail was about half out and it's over here. I said, are you all right, man? This crazy dog. Run down there. I said, just, just. Get your breath, man. Don't have no heart attack. Dog got away and he chased it down the dirt road beside their house and back off down through the woods. I'd give anything to have a drone capturing all of it while it was going on. I love to fellowship with my dad. I do. I love to talk to him and mama. I love those times when we don't have nothing and we can just sit around and eat and fellowship. Man, it's great. I love to fellowship with the people of this church. Some, something that has become a trend in recent days is on Sunday nights anymore. It seems that there'll be anywhere from 10 to 30 piles in my office on Sunday nights and 
we go through more K-cups than anybody in the world on a Sunday night probably. We sit around in my office and drink coffee and cut up. and Man, I love it. I love it. Matter of fact, I've already decided. I've already told two or three whenever we get that building done and we transform this into Sunday school classes that the teenage boys and the teenage girls class back there, the walls coming out in the middle of it. And that's going to become my office so we can have more room to sit around and talk in my office. I, I, I love that. I, one thing that you know this about my door, it don't close normally. There's no latch on it. My door's always open. I, I'm not that pastor that goes in his office and closes the door and don't want nobody in there. I want people in my office. I love fellowship. But there's no fellowship like those times this morning. Little Victoria's at home. She's got a, Leslie's the only other person I ever know that had this, but she's got an outer ear infection. Just extremely painful. She was up about all night hurting with it. She's at home this morning. and I stayed with her during Sunday school. Madeline was supposed to teach. I was supposed to teach. And Leslie was supposed to teach this morning. So I told him, I said, I'll send my class somewhere else and I'll stay home with Victoria. And Victoria was in there laying on the couch. I went over in the bedroom. I got a recliner in our bedroom. And I sat down and I began to study this morning after everybody had already come up to the church. It was real quiet in the house. And I just began to talk to the Lord, Brother Josh. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And God sat right... God sat right down beside me. We just talked a while. So what did you talk about? Well, I talked about some of y'all sitting in here. You ought to say thank you for that. Talked about some of y'all sitting in here. Talked about my girls. Asked the Lord to one day give them a good godly husband. Said if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And I believe that's his will. That fellowship. And if you're here lost this morning, you have no clue. Man, what it's like just to get with him for a little while. Just to talk to him. Just to let him love up on you. Wrap his arms around you. But there's a promise from this Savior that's pursuing you this morning. I'll come in and sup with you and you with me. But here's the prerequisite. You gotta let. You gotta open the door. I can't open the door for you. I can't. You know, Caleb, if I could reach inside your heart, I believe you're saved. You say you're saved. If you're not, I hope you'll get saved this morning. But if you're lost, I can't open your heart's door and push Jesus inside of it and close it back and padlock it and put log chains around. I can't do that. You gotta do it this morning. You gotta ask God. You gotta say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. You don't even have to tell him how you are, because he already knows. Lord, here I am. I don't want to go to hell. I believe that your son died for my sins. I believe that he rose again the third day. And by faith, I believe that you're going to save me. You know what he said he'd do? He said he'd do. He would come in. This man, if you ever let him in, you'll never be the same. Father.